You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. Don't miss Pat and Stu. We talk a lot about important issues on the show all the time. All of them are behind access to soda for me. Um, I don't (laughs) care about any... ISIS, don't care. Uh, What I care about, access to soda. Uh, When ISIS limits your access to (laughs) soda, then you'll tear into them. Then I will will be upset at that point. The only reason I want to take action on them now is to prevent that. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time out to, uh, to uh, well, listen, I guess. That's what you're doing. So there's this situation in, uh, it's a horrible intro. I'm just going to breeze right past it. There's this situation in uh, McKinney that I'm sure you've heard plenty about. And I'm not going to rehash my opinion of it. I've, I already wrote a whole thing about it. Um, and, uh, of course, today the, the update is that the officer resigned and the police chief threw the guy under the bus and called his actions inexcusable and everything else. Um, now, I don't want to harp on your interpretation or my interpretation of how the cop acted because because I, I think there's a larger point. So this is not going to be a discussion about the police. And you can think whatever you want. And for the sake of this discussion, you can think whatever you want about police and that particular police officer. Um, because I think there's a larger point, or or at least another point that's equally as large, that I, I think gets lost by arguing constantly about police procedure in all these kinds of situations. And that point is um, is is the fact that, that we have a group of, of, of people, of teenagers in this case, or children as they've been called, innocent, innocent snowflake children, you know, just innocent little, innocent little kids who are um, acting out in horrible ways, according to the residents of this town, before the police were called. You know, they had a big, a big party. Uh, 100, over 100 teens showed up, and there was vandalism and violence and alcohol, and, you know, even, even the loud, vulgar music blasting in the middle of this neighborhood where kids walking around. Just, just, just no concern for the rules of the privacy of the peace of, of the community at large. A disrespect in the community. Now, this is in, according to the residents, and... Um, According to the cops who showed up, the police report. So disrespecting the community, disrespecting the adults, and then not listening to the cop when he showed up. And as I said, you could say, well, the cop overreacted and he shouldn't have dragged that girl to the ground and everything else. But, but the point, st- even if you think that, the point still is that they were disrespecting the police, not listening to the police um, or to any other adult. Now, let's take race out of this because this is a problem, in my mind, with the youth. You know, the, the youth of America, the whippersnappers. And I know I'm going to sound like a fogey here when I talk about oh, the youth, the kids today, or these, these teenagers with, with their loud music, the disrespect, no respect these kids. The kids don't have any respect these days. Not like, I, not like when I was growing up. Uh, I know I'll sound like, but like that, but that's not actually how, how, how uh, I, I'm trying to come across because I was a teen myself less than 10 years ago. Okay, I'm 28, so 10 years ago I was 18. Um, so I don't speak from a place of being, you know, elderly or something. I, I speak from my own experience and from my observations. So what, I, what I've seen is that we've come to expect this kind of behavior from teenagers. Not, 
not not teenagers depending on race, but irrespective of race, we've come to expect this kind of behavior from teenagers. And we excuse it. And we um, infantilize them. But the truth is, and this is the thing lost in the whole McKinney discussion, it's the point that I, I tried to make in my piece on the subject, that we need to place some blame here at the feet of the individuals who caused this disturbance, which would be the teenagers in this case. And, and look, even if you think the cops should be fired and stoned to death in public, even if you think that, I still think this point is something you should agree with. You can disagree with how the cops responded and still agree with me that we can't just excuse and tolerate kids acting like animals. That there has to be some accountability and responsibility. But we don't apply those concepts to kids, quote-unquote, anymore, uh, do we? We, we, don't, we don't apply it to them. Even the very um, fact, and I, and I do it all the time myself, and I think there's you know some legitimacy to it, because obviously there are uh, differences, ingrained differences, between, say, a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old and a 30-year-old. Um, but even still... You know, we, we talk about kids, we, we, we talk about a, a 15 or 16-year-old as if they're, well, they might as well be 5 or 6 years old. And this is all a very new thing. It's a new strategy. Um, if you look at this from an anthropological perspective, which I try to sound smart by saying anthropological, but then, then, I, then I screw it up in the pronunciation so it all backfires. You would see that back in the old days, um, there were really... And when I say the old days, I mean, you know, any time up until uh, modern society. So uh, back then, back before modern industrialized society, there were two types of people in the world. Only two. There were children and then there were adults. And uh, you were a child and then you became an adult and you really had no choice in the matter. Okay, so the timeline of events would have went something like this. It was phase one, birth and childhood and then phase two, adulthood, and then phase three, death. And of course, this is just a general outline. Phase three could uh, interrupt phase one or two at any time. Still, the transition from child to adult happened early and inevitably and relatively quickly. Um, so just look at some of the religious initiation rites that are still practiced by Christians, Jews, and other, and other groups of faith around the world. And you can tell the way that people back then thought about kids and when they thought a kid turned into adult. So in Catholicism, the sacrament of confirmation is usually administered between the ages of 12 and 15. And once confirmed, you're officially a full-fledged adult member of the church. In Judaism, 12 and 13-year-olds celebrate their bat or bar mitzvah, um, which is also a coming-of-age ritual where they pass from child to, to accountable adult. And... Um, and uh, usually in the case of the bar or bat mitzvah, at least if you're in a, and I grew up in a well-to-do, um, predominantly Jewish area, and so I would always notice that the newly minted Jewish young adults were given enormous sums of money from family members while his Gentile friend looked on with envy. Um, and uh, I would just remember the plastic rosary and pocket prayer book that I got for my confirmation. It never, it never stacked up. But in any case, virtually every culture has its own child into adult initiation. And almost all of them happen significantly before the 18th birthday. Um, and you can go to some of the Amazon tribes and, you know, tribes in Papua New Guinea and, and, and uh, some of the more primitive cultures. And, and you, you can see, uh, like there's one, an Amazon tribe where 12-year-old boys have to put on ceremonial gloves filled with bullet ants. 
which is their way of passing into adulthood. And then there are, are, are young males in, in Papua New Guinea that have to stab themselves in the face as part of their as part as part of their ritual. Which you know their rituals don't sound quite as fun as the bar bar mitzvah, the confirmation stuff that we do here in the West. But still, the point is, it's you know kids twelve, thirteen, sometimes younger, sometimes a little bit older that are considered adults. But in modern Western society, we have decided to delay the onset of adulthood, and instead we've invented a new sort of human being, and that human being is called the teenager. And the teenager, now if you look back at, at, uh, at literature in the you know, 1400s, you're not going to see any, 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 any word teenager. Doesn't, doesn't exist. There were no teenagers back then. There were people who were 16 or 17 years old who we would consider teenagers now, but that word, that phase of life did not exist. It was uh, you were an adult at that point. But now we have teenagers. And teenagers exist in this, in this limbo that we've created, and we call that limbo adolescence. And adolescence is um, a very state-of-the-art modern innovation, a lot like chemical warfare or crack cocaine. If you take a time machine back to the early 19th century or any century prior to that, you won't see it or hear of it. Nobody's going to be talking about teenagers or adolescents. And the contemporary Western adolescent would be looked at like, like some kind of alien species by anyone who lived in any era prior to the late 1800s. Because this modern teenager creature, he is a, uh, he, he's a very strange and mysterious entity because he doesn't possess the innocence or natural helplessness of a child, but he isn't expected to assume any of the responsibilities and challenges of adulthood. Um, so the adolescent, even though at this point, especially particularly 15, 16, now has the physical stature of something resembling an adult, is now a strong, potentially useful, energetic uh, person. But we now take this person in modern society and we let them live a life that in times past only the children of emperors and pharaohs could have possibly enjoyed because he can spend entire months, generally from June to August, aggressively engaged in doing absolutely nothing. Our ancestors took the strength and energy of youth and used it to make strong and energetic young adults who did things, who were required to do things. Things were expected of them. But we, on the other hand, um, have suddenly decided that a 16-year-old is really nothing more than an enormous baby, incapable of being helpful and useful, incapable of, of doing anything, who should not be held responsible for his actions at all, when he acts out in horrible ways, we should just say, oh, well, that's what teenagers do, even though teenagers only started doing that relatively recently. So although, although physically capable of contributing to the household and to his community, now the adolescent is permitted uh, by many parents to sit back and have all his needs and desires met. He can be an ungrateful, resource-sucking leech, and his behavior and attitude will be shrugged off as just a natural, a natural phase. Um, but, of course, there isn't anything natural about it. And, and for many, it isn't a phase. The damage done during this strange period of developmental regression can, can be permanent in many cases. And, and while poor and middle-class mothers and fathers struggle to make ends meet, we legally prohibit their teenagers from working and helping the family financially until they reach the frivolous threshold of, what is it, 16. 
And, and we're told child labor laws are, are meant to protect first graders from being enslaved by sweatshop owners. But, but they also protect, quote unquote, high schoolers from pushing a mop at a grocery store for a few hours a week. Because now we say that kids, until they turn 18, are just that kids, their children. And they can't be trusted. Um, they can't be given any responsibilities. We won't even trust a grown man with a beer until he turns 21. Um, and by that age, our great-grandparents were married with kids and a few acres of property. But now at 21, most people still depend on daddy's financial charity, but at least they can lawfully own a 30-pack of natural light, you know, once they hit that 21st birthday. So our new timeline, you know, remember the old timeline, the old, it was, you know, uh, phase one of life, uh, birth, childhood, then phase two, adulthood, then phase three, death. So now we have phase one, birth and childhood, phase two, extended childhood, phase three, teenage adolescence, Phase four, early 20s adolescence. Phase five, late 20s adolescence. Phase six, adult adolescence. Phase seven, adulthood. Phase eight, adolescence again, because adulthood didn't work out. And then phase nine, death. So you'll notice um, that death generally still comes without a warm-up period, which is another solid reason to consider trimming a few of those steps in favor of getting on with life while you still have that option, you know. And, and I say all this as someone who was uh, once an adolescent, and I had a b- pretty bad case of it myself, and that's, that's not my parents' fault. This, this is, well, it's my fault primarily because I made a lot of bad choices. But it also speaks to the culture, because even though my parents uh, tried to raise me right and instill the right values in me, I also knew that, you know, when I was 14, 15, or 16, it was kind of like, well, you know, so I, I can just be a punk, and that's what 14, 15, and 16-year-olds are supposed to do. It's expected of us. Nobody cares. My parents cared, but society at large, and I'm not going to be held responsible for it. I can go out and do whatever I want. I can be a complete useless jerk, and it doesn't matter because that's what society expects. But the thing is, I remember being 15 or 16 years old. And, um, you know, unlike, like, you know, okay... I, I can vaguely, I have some vague memories from, you know, being three or four, some, some very vague, faint memories. Um, but I don't really remember at the age of three or four making decisions to do bad things. I'm sure I was, you know, I, I did bad things um, for that age, uh, disobeyed my parents. But I don't remember making that conscious decision because at the age of three and four, children really don't understand what they're doing. And, and, and most people consider the age of reason to be between you know, seven or eight or somewhere around that range where, where uh, human beings now can begin to understand right from wrong. And so when they do the wrong thing, they understand, OK, I am doing the wrong thing. It's a conscious choice that they that they make for whatever selfish reason. So I can remember, unlike being three or four, at the age of 15 or 16, I can think back and remember, um, I can remember knowing right from wrong, but choosing to do the wrong thing. And I chose to do the wrong thing for, for the same reason that anyone of any age chooses to do the wrong thing, for selfish reasons. Because, you know, uh, the wrong thing I thought would be more fun, I thought it would be more cool, I thought whatever. So I think what we need to start doing is... You know, doing what my parents did with me, but we need to do it on a cultural scale for it to have really any effect. And that's that we, we stop we stop che- treating um, the teenagers like children. And at the very least, we should expect them to do the right thing. And if they don't, they should be held accountable for it. That's the thing that troubles me about all the stuff that happened to McKinney. Again, regardless of how you feel about the police officer and what he did or what he didn't, didn't do. 
the fact still remains that unless we're going to say that all the residents were lying and this is all a racist conspiracy, including the black residents who've spoken out opposed to how the kids behaved. Uh, so unless you're going to think that, then we, then we realize that these kids, a, a certain number of them, were acting inexcusably. And that's what resulted in the, call, the cops showing up. And when the cops showed up, they didn't even respect the authority of these law enforcement officers. And we need to say that is inexcusable. We need to break this infantilized mentality that people cannot be held responsible for the actions because the problem is that it's bleeding. As I just said, it's, it's gone from the kids at 15 or 16 can't be held responsible for their actions and, and can't be blamed for what they did. And now it's become, now it's gone into the 20s, into 25 and 26 and 27. And now we have adolescence that stretches way into our 30s because of this mentality. And I have a few ideas as to how we can break that mentality and, and how we can break people of adolescence and teach them how to be young adults. And this is what worked for me, okay, because I was an adolescent and eventually I became a young adult. Uh, there's nothing wrong, you know, I think that's the word we should start using. Somebody 16, they're a young adult and they should be held responsible. So um, here are a few ways, and this is what worked on me to break people of their adolescence and teach them how to be young adults. And n- number one is this, um, a job, okay? We have millions of 20-something adults who are heading into job interviews now with, like, key club and soccer team captain as their only entries under work experience. And this should really be impossible. It should be impossible to hit 25 without ever having held a job of any kind. It's ridiculous. And, and perhaps exceptions to the rule can be made for med students who, who have been completely engrossed in their academic you know, uh, pursuits for their entire childhood and early adulthood. But, but a lot of these kids with no work experience have never been engrossed in anything. They've never been, they've never been responsible for anything. They've, they've never had any responsibilities. And now they're 24, 20, 24, 25 trying to get a job. So if you want to break someone of their adolescence, you have to put them to work. Um, the second thing is, and I think this really works wonders, and that's um, uh, bills, you know. Not the Buffalo bills, but, but bills, like bills that you have to pay. When I was 18, I remember, um, I remember being, being stunned and shocked when I found out that many of my peers didn't even pay their own cell phone bill. Um, and when I was 26... Not much had changed, except that I wasn't shocked anymore. And I cannot fathom why any parent would pay their adult child's Verizon bill, but it's a pretty common practice nowadays. Even as as a teenager, I chipped in for my bills and expenses. My parents, you know, like I said, when I was 13 is when I got my first job. Uh, I was legally working at 15, the earliest that I could. And the moment I started making money, my parents said, you're going to start paying. You're going to start contributing for your bills. Okay, You're, you're making money, and it's not going to all go somewhere so you can spend it all on video games and candy. Uh, you're going to use this to help start paying for your existence. And I think that's something that everyone needs to experience. You need to experience the reality that uh, living costs – it costs money to live. It, co- it, costs, it costs money to exist nowadays and everyone needs to experience that and help pay for for that reality once once they you know once they reach uh, an age where they're old enough to work and, and get a job. Uh, number three is is um, is sacrifice, and I think that you have a lot of young people today who've never been forced to experience sacrifice. 
going without hardship, hunger. You know, I don't think you can achieve maturity unless you run through a gauntlet of suffering to find it. Maturity, that's, that's the shedding of adolescence. And it has nothing to do with your age demographic. It has everything to do with how hard you work, okay? There are 50-year-olds out there who are glorified adolescents, who are immature, who are spoiled little brats, because, and I've encountered these people, because they've never been forced to sacrifice, to make real sacrifices, to actually go without, to work for what they have. And whatever they, whatever, whatever they don't work for, they don't have. You know, that experience is something that, that breeds maturity. If you don't have it, then you're never going to grow up. The fourth is um, independence, okay? When, when my own daughter is uh, old enough and ready to contemplate marriage, I'm going to give her two pieces of, of advice, okay? Uh, the first is your husband should be a man of, of strong faith. That's very important. The second is be very wary of entering into marriage with a guy who's never lived on his own and taken care of himself. And, and of course, the live-on-your-own rule can be adjusted in certain cases, like for men who've been on active duty in the military. Obviously, they're not quite on their own, but they certainly learned plenty about sacrifice, discipline, and hard work, so that's an exception. But that aside, you should be very careful about a dude who's never spent one day entirely detached from his, from his mother's umbilical cord. And that's what we have today. We have a lot of people who have never, never experienced independence. They go from living at home as a teenager, and then they go and they live on a college campus, and a lot of times uh, they're funded by their parents while they're there, and they're living with roommates. And then they move back with their parents, and then at a certain point they try to get married. They've never been independent. They've never experienced that. And independence is, if I were to define independence, it is the... It is the um, the place where freedom and responsibility meet. So to be free without responsibility, that's not independence. That's actually dependence, and then it's actually not freedom. It's freedom and responsibility. I think people uh, need to experience that in order, to, in order to grow up. And as long as a person lives a life devoid of these four ingredients, jobs, bills, sacrifice, independence, they're going to be an adolescent. They will exist in this limbo world between childhood and adulthood, too old to be a child, but too immature and incompetent to be an adult. And um, adolescence is not a product of brain chemistry. It's a product of our expectations. If we expect 23-year-olds to act like they're 13, then we'll get just that. And if we, act, if we expect 13-year-olds to act like they're 4, then we'll get just that. But for thousands of years, 13-year-olds were expected to act like they're 23, and those expectations were met because they weren't given a choice. So yes, adolescence you know, can last until 25, it can last until 55, and it can follow you right into your casket if you're not careful. We create that environment, but because we've created that environment, we can also abolish that in- environment, and I think that's, that's what we need to do. So um, it's just, it's, this is a, a long way of saying, I think it's time to introduce a little bit of personal responsibility and accountability. And we introduce that at a, at a young age. We tell, quote unquote, kids at a young age, you are personally responsible and accountable for your actions. That's a message that's not being sent, but we need to send it. Or, uh, or I don't think, you know, I don't see how things will ever get better in this culture. All right, um, that's going to do it for me, and um, we'll leave it right there. I'll talk to you next week. Our crew chase got loose. Godspeed, everybody. The Blade.
Blaze Radio Network.